come. Rejoice and be glad. Would you think it was from a nice story about Jesus in the Bible, maybe healing somebody, and after they got healed, he just said to them, Rejoice and be glad. If you didn't know where it was at and I was to ask you, where do you think this is at? Would this be after the, the multiplication of the bread and the fishes now that everyone has enough to eat? Rejoice, be glad. Is that where this passage is found? Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. And you will see the context of this encouraging statement to rejoice and be glad. Starting in chapter 5, verse 11, Jesus speaking here, blessed are you when people take you out for lunch. Is that what it says? Blessed are you when people give you raises. No, it says blessed are you when people what? Insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of who? Because of me. Because of who? Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Because of Jesus. Verse 12, beginning part. Read it together. One, two, three. Rejoice. Oh, y'all lame this morning. I need you to get up with me. Come on, I didn't wrestle principalities for y'all to be tired. <laughs> Say it again. One, two, three. Rejoice and be glad. Thank you. That's better. That gives us courage, right? When we say the word out loud. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And when he gets into this next part, I want to wait to get there but the salt and light. But I want to talk to you today a few moments about rejoicing and being glad. Rejoicing and being glad. When people speak evil against you, when people persecute you, we as a church can relate to this because they have spoken evil against us. We don't keep anything in the secret here, so there's no reason to keep it secret from you. We've been called racist. Why? Because when one of our businesses in the church was asked why they hadn't put up Black Lives Matter, he eloquently explained that all lives matter to God, that he supports the Black Lives Matter as a people, in that sense, getting, in, getting justice, but he didn't support Black Lives Mattering as a movement because there's anti-biblical things in their value statements. In other words, he was saying, I love people. I love African Americans, and I want justice. They then interpreted that as him saying, I am a racist, and I hate black people. That's how they took it. Some may say false things. They said false things about him. Then they began to tell us what we really meant by what we said. As a church, we made a five-minute video against racism. We have entire sermons against racism. If you were to go to our website and type in the word racism, you'll see upwards of 30 blogs, articles, sermons on the subject of racism. It's a despicable, wicked sin. We actually believe that it's so sinful, it's stupid to even talk about racism because there's only one race, the human race. So the first uh, thing that when you hear somebody talk about different races, races plural, you have just met an oompa loompa according to our worldview. You can't even make an argument of a race to another race in our worldview. It's an impossible thing to do. It's like trying to do a long jump while you're skydiving. You can't even be a racist according to our Bible because the Bible clearly states that there's one race, the human race. It is the worldview of evolution that allows you to believe in racism because they believe in a human ancestry tree, ancestry tree that came from the goo through the zoo to you. 
So, of course, if that's true, there are those of us closer to the animals and those of us closer to being more enlightened or more of a superior race. That's just evolution. Don't you think there's a difference between a chihuahua and a pit bull? Hello? You make distinguishments according to that. So we're not even evolutionists. We believe that God created us in his image. And so that human value and dignity belongs to all humans. From one man, he created all the people of the earth through Adam and Eve. But they called us racist. They then found out that the owner of the business, Nini's Deli, was once a homosexual and had lived the life of a homosexual. And so what they wanted to then do was to expose all of his dealings as a homosexual, bring up all of his lovers, bring up all of the texts, bring up all the nasty things that he did. How many know if we were to bring up all their nasty stuff and put it on Facebook, nobody would be happy? How many know if we put up some of your stuff, nobody would be happy here? But he didn't deny that. He said, I was very clear that I am a born-again Christian who was once a homosexual. They then interpreted that word to mean, I hate homosexuals and hate myself. <laughs> he was very clear. I don't hate homosexuals, and I certainly don't hate myself. So then they took it to mean, as he said, I was born again, and many say I was born this way, and I can't help it, and he said I was born again, and now God helps me, right? They took that to mean we believe in conversion therapy, he was very clear, we don't do conversion therapy here. Showing a man another picture of a man in a bathing suit, then if he gets attracted and his heartbeat starts to race, we electrocute him. Ah, you know, we don't do that with homosexuals. We don't do that with straight men. We don't do that with anybody. <laughs> there is no conversion therapy here. There is conversion transformation here. I didn't go to therapy to stop looking at pornography. I got saved. I, he didn't go to uh, therapy to stop uh, having homosexual relationships. He got saved. The person that was a drunkard didn't go to 12 steps. They went to one step, Jesus, and got saved. Now, if someone wants to do counseling, that's something they can do on their own, but we don't do that here in that way. And then they brought in the church that he was a part of. And then they said, well, if you're a racist, and a homophobe, you must have got that from your church. So it didn't take them very long to find things about me preaching against homosexuality as a sin. And how did they interpret that? We're homophobic. Like as if we're walking around thinking homosexuals have the cooties, that we don't know how to be with them on the job or share an Uber with them or to go to their restaurants or to have them as our family members. See, they said those things about us. And then... They heard us say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. And they interpreted that as we hate every other person in a different religion, that we're Islamophobic, we're Hinduophobic, and we're Buddhophobic. No one says that to the vegetarian, you're metaphobic. But for some reason, because we made a claim that we believe as Christians, which is not to be enforced as law upon people, but we believe in our freedom of conscience to choose what we believe, and that is that Christ is the only way to the Father. They interpreted that as we hate everybody else. If it happened to the church and it happened to this godly couple, is it going to happen to you? Many of you it's already happened to. You're being denied 
even access to maybe your family right now. They're saying, we don't want you at the barbecue because now we have our lesbian cousin here and she doesn't feel comfortable with you because she thinks that you're afraid of her and yet at the same time of being afraid of her, you're going to beat her down. So we're going to call you a bunch of bad names, drop F-bombs, and then threaten to kill you if we see you at the barbecue all in the name of love and tolerance. That's how the world wants to do, deal with haters. We're going to kill you. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we're going to deal with you. And then nobody will care because you're hated by everybody. The Bible says that this is how they treated the prophets. When you look to the Bible, what are your favorite prophets? Jeremiah, what, Isaiah? How many like Daniel? Where did Daniel get thrown? Into a lion's den. Why? Because they said all kinds of evil against him. Jeremiah was thrown into a pit. They hung Isaiah upside down and sawed him asunder. Think about that. Hanging you upside down, starting from the middle, and sawing you asunder, sawing you in half. They called Elijah a troublemaker. They said that the prophets were the reasons why everything was going wrong. It wasn't because they worshiped false gods. It wasn't because they were sacrificing their children to Molech. The nation of Israel had all of its problems because of these ornery prophets. If we can just get rid of them, we can go back to enjoying our best life now. And Jesus said to his disciples, you are to look at them as your example. They don't say the truth about you. How many of you here have been to an outreach where we've given something free away to the community? Raise your hands. Almost every single person that was a part of this church before COVID. How many were here when we gave away bicycles? How many were here when we gave away laptops? How many have been here when we've done after-school programs? How many have gone to the west side, to the Adopt-A-Block? How many have been a part of all these things? Where are those on the news? Are these reporters stupid? Are you stupid? You don't know how to work the Internet? You somehow found out on the Internet where I lived and that I have a boat. You couldn't find out the time we gave away five laptops. You couldn't find out the time when we gave away bicycles. You scrolled through all of our pictures. You made sure to put us in profane, uh, you know, profane uh, situations with objects all around us, to say it politely with children here. But you couldn't find the time we gave away bikes, fed the neighborhood. All the years at Boricua Fest, never, never, over 10 years at Boricua Fest, never any trouble with the community. Why? Because it doesn't fit a narrative. When people hate you, they will say things about you to justify their hate. They don't want to look to the things that you do right. They don't want to treat you as a fellow human and dignify you and to give you the respect that you deserve so that it can be a human disagreeing with another human. They have to bring you down and dehumanize you to justify what they want to do to you. Because you don't crucify somebody you love. So you've got to make Jesus look like he's demon-possessed, he's out of his mind, and he's going to destroy the peace of Rome. Oh, Rome was a peaceful place, huh? <laughs> Taking over the whole world, and yet here's Jesus. He's the troublemaker. Put him on a cross. How many know Caesar? If anybody needed to be on a cross, it was Caesar or those wicked kings. 
And yet the Bible says this is what we have to look forward to. And would you highlight our phrase for today? We are not supposed to get scared. We're not supposed to run away. We are not supposed to freak out. We are to rejoice and be glad. Now, does that mean that we are trying to have mind over matter, that we're trying to somehow be so spiritual that we're of no earthly good? Sometimes people will say that to you. You're too spiritual for earthly good. You have your head in the clouds. Now, listen to me. I want to be so spiritually minded that I change the earth for good. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind on there so that you can have the stamina and the power and the ability and the wisdom to change the earth down here. We are not rejoicing because people are suffering. We're not rejoicing that your baby mama don't want you to come around anymore. We're not rejoicing that cousin Flacco is now threatening you. We're not rejoicing that your boss brought you in to have you a talk, but they didn't have a talk with the coworkers that were out fornicating the night before. We're not rejoicing in this treatment. We're rejoicing because because great is our reward in heaven. That we actually believe there's something that comes after this. That there's actually something that's greater than what we're seeing now. And some of you might see that as a carrot, as a bribe. But God is not bribing us here with a cheap carrot. He is telling us the reality. Everything you see here is going to pass. Every world leader you see is going to pass. Just like how all those lived 200 years ago have passed and they are gone. He is reminding us this is all going to pass away. But my rewards in heaven will endure forever. If you try to save your life, you will lose your life. But if you lose your life for my sake, you shall find your life. If you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus, you are a disciple of Christ and no one can take that from you. And then he says, think about what you'll be like. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. How many know this has become the modern church? How many know that? The modern church, come on, has lost its salzone. It's lost its cayenne pepper. Are you listening to me? The modern church as a whole has lost, has lost its taste. They're no different than the world. They're no different than Oprah Winfrey. They're no different than Ellen. They're offering them nothing different than the Mormon church. I say this to you with all carefulness. Scroll down the Mormon church's website or Facebook and tell me what they're doing different than Joel Osteen and all the modern churches that we popularize today. Just tell me. I'm not saying Joel Osteen is there. I'm not saying he's not going to heaven. I do believe he's a Christian, but he's not acting like one as he should right now. There should be a lot more other scriptures being preached by him, so please hear my heart. I love these brothers and sisters, but I am asking you, what is the difference between their presentation than the Mormon church? You may not be like me having the opportunity to study the Mormon church. I do. I study cults. You go to the Mormon church, Jesus-centered. Jesus-centered. It's all about Jesus. Get to know Jesus. We'll help you get to know Jesus. Bible-centered. Scriptures everywhere. Scriptures to encourage you. Scriptures to give you strength and motivation. Pastoral leadership. It is all there. If you need help, they'll have somebody to help you. If you have a question about the Bible, they'll get it there for you. You need prayer, they're going to pray for you. What's the difference? You see, the Christian church can be easily replicated and duplicated if you remove the Holy Spirit and His power from it, if you remove the saltiness. In other words, let me make it plain to you. I lived in Nolens, y'all. 
for over eight years. I'm not talking about New Orleans. No, I lived in New Orleans, baby. You hear me? You heard? For eight and a half years. And what people call up here Cajun chicken, what Applebee's calls Cajun chicken, what different restaurants serve up as Cajun, that's not Cajun, baby. You don't know Cajun. I'm just being honest with you, and I've been Cajun certified, so don't nobody check my status. I am still Cajun certified. But you know people, they act like they know how to make Cajun stuff. Jesse Duplantis tells the joke when a woman from up north tried to get him to taste her gumbo. He said it was like drinking, you know, like laundry detergent water or what you clean your clothes with, you know. It wasn't close. Because why? There's a complexity to the flavors. You just don't throw a bunch of stuff in and hope that it works. You have to know how to flavor and tenderize it. And the Bible says that that's what we are to this world. And the church of America looks like that they're trying to be what the Bible says. They, they have the logo. They have the, they have the verbiage. They, they say loving God and people. They, they say the same things, but they're lacking the complexity. They're lacking the depth. They're lacking the flavor. They've lost their saltiness. As one Christian missionary from China said, when he went to the American churches and was visiting them, he said, it's amazing which you all can accomplish without the Holy Spirit. Seriously, that's what he said. He said, it's amazing what you're able to do here without the power of God. You've got the choir singing. You've got the band up here. You've got the preaching. It is amazing that you can do all of this without the Holy Spirit. There's a story. It might be like an old wise tale, but it, it's been passed on, and it's good to repeat. Somewhere during the time of communism, like in Richard Rombrandt's time when they were being persecuted in Romania, it was said that a communist soldier went into the underground church and had his uniform on because he was a soldier at that time and had his weapon. And as he went in, he said to all the people there, I'm going to give you one chance to leave before I kill you on sight. Leave and we'll know that you're denying Christ and that you're in favor of the communist government. Quickly, people began to scatter and leave. And as they left, he took off his jacket, his uniform, set down his weapon and said, now we know who the true Christians are. Let us begin church. Is that not what is happening in our society today? Let's see who can stand up to their boss. Some people in our church just handed in a resignation letter just knowing that the boss got an email that they were a part of this church, didn't even want to stand up to the boss. Your church has been called racist. We want to ask you about that. No questions needed. I resigned from the church. I'm done. Why? Why? Well, did you believe we were racist all the times that you were here? No. It's the fear of man. They didn't want to have to try to explain to their secular boss the false things that were said about us. I'll make it easy. I'll just resign. This is a job worth keeping after all. I got bills to pay. Stupid Stephen in the New Testament. He must not have had bills to pay getting stoned like that. Stupid martyrs. Don't you know if you just go along with Rome, it's easy peasy, nice and easy. Stupid Christians, man, got to stand up for themselves and Jesus. Don't you know if you just get along with everybody, there'll be no persecution. And isn't that what a lot of churches believe right now? As they're being boiled alive like the toad in the water, 
They're not understanding. There's not an agenda just for us to stay out of politics. No, no, no. It's not just an agenda for the businesses that are Christian to shut down. No, no, no. It's not just an agenda to remove our 501c3s and have us be cowering in the church. No, 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 no. It's an agenda to remove Christ from the public sphere. And if you have Christ, they want to remove you. Has it been done before in other nations? Is it being done right now in nations? We wear these bracelets to remind us of the underground church and the persecuted church around the world. I've been praying for them daily for almost 10 years now, and I've had this bracelet and ones like it for almost five years. We have them for free in the church. My friends, this is real, and we ought to know their tactics, but in the midst of their tactics, we ought to rejoice. Why? Because there's a kingdom to come on earth that's greater than the kingdom that's been on earth. There's a king to come that's going to have all the kings bow before them. Amen. Come on, somebody. He's coming on a white horse, and he says, vengeance is mine, thus says the Lord. And the Bible says he's going to make everything right. But we have to know our place. I want to be salty. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all right to be salty. Not in the worldly way, but in the Christian way. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. How many know we can't be hidden anymore? How many know that? You must not know it or you're not paying attention to my question. How many know we can't be hidden anymore? The moment the BLM thing happened, all the reporters that knew me from COVID started writing me. Because they know us now. We can't be hidden anymore. So if you want to be hidden, this is not the church for you. But trust me, good news, there's a hundred more churches down the road that will let you hide. I'm just being real. I'm not saying we're the only ones. Don't ever say they think they're the only one. I never said that. But I'm just saying, if you want a place to hide, be of good, church, of good courage. There's a hundred other churches that don't preach us like, like us, do like us, and you have a place to hide. Trust me, you'll be right there. And some of you left churches like that because you're done hiding. And on your way out, probably on your way in, somebody from here was on their way out going, I'm ready to start hiding now. I've been on the front lines too long. Come on, let's keep it real. You all just played musical chairs with some of these churches. You, you saw us during COVID, and you said, man, I want to be radical like that church. And at the same time, somebody said, I want a church that's not radical like your church. And so you all just passed each other in the, in the lobby, just slapped each other high five. And God is good that way because he's going to give us double for our trouble. Amen. And I hope that you come in to do more than they ever did in Jesus' name. Because I didn't come to win friends and influence people. I came to make disciples of nations. So we are to be the light of the world. We're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I have on record us talking like this before it ever happened. We had preached a message about living in Babylon before COVID broke out. And I spoke during that message. What are you going to do when they take clips of what I'm preaching here and try to expose you on your job? Come on, some of you were there for that. You've heard that. Why? Because it doesn't take a prophetic gifting or unction to see where this is heading. And oftentimes I would prepare our people, and yet they act surprised when we ended up there. It's like the disciples, and that's why we still have to love them. They got surprised when Jesus was arrested. Peter wanted to fight somebody. And Jesus is like, man, I've been doing this the whole time. I've been telling you this. This is the whole point of why I'm here. Remember when I called you Satan? Do, do you want me to call you Satan again? He picks up the ear, and he's like, Peter, come on. I've, I mean, that's why I'm here. 
This is what it's going to be like. Only John and a few of the ladies were there when he died because the rest of them ran. Even one was so scared when they grabbed him, he, he got out of his clothes and ran naked. He said, I don't even know the man. You know, these people, they forgot his whole message. But then thank God when the Holy Spirit came, they became encouraged and made powerful witnesses. May we be reminded of these things. And all those I'm talking about now in reference, may they hear this and come back. We love you. Be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Oh, Pastor, we agree with everything here. We're just going to take our lamp and put it under a bowl for a little bit. Because it's too crazy right now to say we're a part of this church. We still agree. We're a light. We're a light. The devil hasn't blown it out. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine under a bowl. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine under a bowl. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine under a bowl. Yeah, you still got a light. We never said you were satanic now having a, you know, a pentagram tattooed on your forehead. That you haven't received the mark of the beast. But what did they do? They just took their light and put it under a bowl. The Bible says don't do that. Instead, put it on a stand. When we were on the Dr. Michael Brown show, and I said, pray for our people who are scared and in transition right now, and please come to us if you're scared or need prayer. We're here for that. We will not judge you for that. But I said, please pray for them. And he encouraged us. Go back and listen to the video. He said, hey, listen, brothers and sisters, you all need to come to that church this week and bring five friends with you. Take that light and set it right on top for everybody to see. Put it on a stand and give light to everyone in the house. Because if we hide now, doesn't it almost give them validation like as if we are those things? Like we are racist. Like we are homophobic. No, we don't want to give them validation. We want to give them a light. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Before I move to the rest of the message, I just want to encourage you beyond our situation. Some of you in life are going to be called names. And you're going to be persecuted for your faith. And it may have nothing to do with this situation because we've already had people in our church being persecuted for their faith. Maybe you come from a a strong Roman Catholic background and now you don't pray to the mother of Guadalupe anymore. And they think you're weird and you want to get baptized again. And they say, but you were baptized as a child. And you said, there was no confession. I have to be baptized with a confession of faith. And Jesus never baptized children. He only blessed them and prayed for them. And they may not accept that. And they may not even come to your baptism. We've seen that in this church. Or you may come from another religious background that is totally outside of the understanding of Christianity. Sometimes we have Muslims or Hindus come to this church and they suffer persecution. And listen, you're going to go through that with God. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. But we'll be here to support you. Or maybe you're here from the LGBT lifestyle, and now you're one of their targets because they're treating you like they treated our friend from the church. You're telling them that you don't want to do that anymore. You don't want to live that lifestyle anymore. And now they're persecuting you. They're talking about you. They're sharing all of your wild partying videos and texts and all of that to try to shame you back into the lifestyle. Or maybe you've left a gang, and they want you to come back, and they're threatening you. Or 
You were someone that was in a corporation or business and you were doing something illegal and now you're doing things right for Christ and you're not doing the wrong things and they're persecuting you. Listen to me. Great is your reward in heaven. Don't stop being salty for Jesus. Don't stop shining your light for Jesus. Rejoice and be glad. This is the way they've treated the prophets. This is the way they've treated the disciples, the way they treated Jesus and great is your reward in heaven. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now, the Bible does say if their words are true, let us learn from them. So if you're cussing out people all the time and they start messing with you, then stop cussing them out. Let's not use our Christianity as an excuse to get away with stuff. It always bothers me when I hear Christians use that. Whether it's on their job or in their family, sometimes we have young people that get saved and then their parents come here and say, he doesn't clean his room, he doesn't get good grades at school, all he does is read his Bible and go to church. And then I tell him, he must not be reading the right Bible and going to the right church because we're teaching them to honor their father and mother, to clean their room. Are you listening to me? So you can be religious but not truly in the righteousness of Christ. So don't use Christianity as an excuse to cheat on your job, be lazy. You're not there to pray and witness to them. You're there to make their corporation, their business successful. Amen? Amen. And then you can pray for them and witness on your own time. Here are the things I want you to get from this message, some good notes as we get ready to close. Vinny, would you come, please? What did they call our Lord and Savior Jesus? They called him a glutton. They called him a drunkard. They called him a friend, an association, a, a one who associates with lowlifes and sinners, prostitutes. They said that he was demon-possessed. And they said that he was a destroyer of the Jewish temple. Are you ashamed of him? Come on, can I get somebody's attention today? Are you ashamed of Jesus because people called him those names? You're a glutton. Why? Because I made... Enough food to feed 5,000 people. I didn't eat it all. No, you're a glutton because you're always having a good time. Yeah, but when John the Baptist came fasting, you said he was demon-possessed because he's never having a good time. And then Jesus literally gave them a story and said there was a person who sang a sad song. Nobody liked it. They said they wanted a happy song. So then they sang a happy song. Nobody liked it. He said you can't be happy either way. Jesus said, John the Baptist didn't come eating and drinking. You said he's demon-possessed. I've come eating and drinking, hanging out, and you said that I'm a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of lowlifes. How many know you can never make the mob happy? Mobocracy doesn't work. But are you ashamed of Jesus? Like when you hear that about Jesus, let's just be honest. When you hear that about Jesus, is there anything in your mind that goes, man, I need to hear both sides of the story on this? Let me look up one of the Jews, you know. Now, I'm not telling you to believe everything just because we say it. You, you should get both sides of the story at times. But, but how many know we're not racist? Like, there, like there's no other side of the story. They called him demon-possessed. They said that he's a troublemaker. He said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll rebuild it. He was speaking about his body, but they didn't want to hear it. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. They said, there's a cannibal. He wants us to cannibalize him. Talk about the Walking Dead episode. Jesus sits down and says, here, guys, have lunch. Start with my leg. Start getting into his feet and legs and arms and drinking blood. What is going on? But you see, that was what they falsely said about him. Paul, who's an inspirational person in the Bible, more is written about him than any other disciple. Look at the names they called Paul. 
When you go through the book of Acts, you see that Paul was called all kinds of names. Could you put it up there, sir, for me, please? You see that they never knew how to leave him alone. They always messed with him. Called him a troublemaker in the book of Acts. Lawbreaker. A babbler. <laughs> Think about this for a second. The man who wrote three-fourths of the New Testaments by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they're calling a babbler. They're, and in other words, they're, they're calling the greatest scholar of our faith, the greatest statement of Christianity, they called him a babbler. Does Paul seem to be like a babbler to you? No, but that's what they called him. Then Paul was said to be out of his mind as he was in the court system speaking about Jesus from the Old Testament. They looked at him as if he had a tinfoil hat on, was in his basement with a cork board and a bunch of thumbtacks and yarn stringing all these things together. And then Jesus is here in the Old Testament and then he's here and then he appeared here and he fulfilled this. And they're like, Paul, you're out of your mind. You're insane. Why? Because he believed in Jesus. It was something how he was the head of his class when he was a Jew. It was something how intelligent he was when he believed like them. But now, as a Christian, he was insane. It was something how much your friends liked you and respected you and thought you were awesome until you became a Christian. And now they say, oh! these things about you. It was something that all of these years, my brother was a homosexual, a former homosexual, excuse me, a homosexual running a business, but they never exposed any of his tweets, any of his texts, any of his wild living. But the moment he became converted to Christianity, chose to live as God intended him, they brought out all those things. Isn't that something so convenient? Paul, you're out of your mind. Yeah, but I thought I went to the best school, had the best teachers, and I've been doing this the best way. How am I out of my mind? Oh, we can't explain to you how you're out of your mind. We're not going to rationally debate and argue with this about, about this with you. We're just going to name call you and shut you down. They literally did that until he couldn't talk anymore. They would riot around him to where he couldn't make his speeches anymore. Then Paul in 1 Corinthians bears his heart and he's like giving us a taste of what it's been like to be him. And he says, this is what they say about me, but this is what they say about everybody else. He says, you know, as a Christian, I'm considered a spectacle. But you other Christians, you guys are kings. You're living it up. I'm being called a fool, and you guys are being so wise. Like right now, like, Joe, can't you just be more like Joel Osteen? He is so wise. Be more like T.D. Jakes. Look at how he operates. Look how much favor he has with the world. Such a fool, aren't I? Paul said, I'm so weak, man. I'm wondering if I'm making it out of my house alive today. But you guys are so strong. Yeah, because nobody hates you. It's easy to look cool when nobody's wanting to spit at you, call you a name. It's cool when everybody loves you. Man, you look strong preaching behind that pristine pulpit. Come to Planned Parenthood with me, with me, and let's see you preach like that, preacher. Let's see how strong you appear with your eloquence of speech now as they're calling you all those foul names. I took a preacher out with me once to Bourbon Street, great preacher here in the city. If I named him, most of you would know. I said, brother, I'm going to preach. I'm going to hand the mic to you and you preach. You should have seen his eyes lit up. How they just, what? 
I said, yeah, bro. and I loved him. This is not to put him down. Listen, I loved him. I said, brother, you can do this. Literally, I had to have a pep talk with him. He looked around. If you guys have ever seen cops in Mardi Gras time, it looks like that. It's crazy. It's mayhem. It's like what we've been seeing around except the fire, okay? It's crazy. And, uh, and I said, you can do this, man. You can do this. This is what he said to me. I don't know what to say. What do I say to them? Because what was he used to? He was used to the amen crowd. Can I get a hallelujah? How many know ah, he's been good? He's been good to me. He, he, he was used to a church that would just bring the house down. Now what is he going to say? There's no amen crowd out here. There's nobody to start with. Let me get sister so-and-so happy. Then the rest of them are going to get happy and amen. Or, you know, like I'm just going to say something deep and everybody's going to be like, mm, that's deep, Pastor. Never heard that before. That's so deep. <laughs> preach, preach. I mean, that's what he thought he was going to get. And I said, Brother, tell them about Jesus, heaven and hell, sin and righteousness. And I'm going to be honest with you. This powerhouse of a preacher started off so crackly, man, like nervous. But after he got over his fear, he just started preaching. And I was like, Adam, boy. I'm like, now you know how Jesus felt. Now you know how the disciples felt. They weren't just trying to build crowds in their home Bible studies in the churches they were planting. They were trying to win souls out there, my friend. Praise God. So you're so honored, but I'm weak and dishonored. You're being lifted up and having your books sold all over the earth. But Paul said, I'm the scum of the earth. You're looked at as the one everybody wants to be like, but I'm looked at as the garbage of the world. I still believe that God blesses his people and that we can have great testimonies, but these are some powerful indications to what it was like to be a Christian in Paul's day. So what do I think they'll call us in our day and age? They're going to call you racist. Even if you are African-American, they're going to call you racist. One of our people preaching in front of Nini's Deli was African-American, and they called him a coon. And the person who called him a coon was a white person. So they're going to call you a racist while they're doing racist things. Even if you are of the race, they're supposedly trying to help. That's the insanity of the world. Bigot. You're going to be called a bigot. We were very clear on our Facebook page. If we did something in our presentation, if we were preaching too intense during your time of mourning and these things that we kind of heard on social media, please forgive us. The apology is still up, but many didn't accept it. So then I put up another post, and I said, I just want to be clear. Is it because I believe this about the Bible that I'm a bigot, or is it because of something we've done? And they said, no, it's because of what you believe. It's not anymore that we went out to the streets and we were so intense. It's not anymore that they misunderstood what we said. At one time, one of our brothers said, the Black Lives Matter movement has killed more than the KKK. What he meant to say is the Black Lives Matter movement in support of Planned Parenthood has killed more black lives than the KKK. But that was all they needed for their fodder to make him look like a racist while he's married to an African-American and has African-American children. Afro-Latino. They're going to call you a hate monger. 
even though literally you're going to have on the back of your shirt John 3.16 about a God of love, even though you're going to be handing them flyers that talk about a God of love, even though in your testimony about how you became a Christian, you'll talk about how the love of God brought you to repentance, even though in your conversations you'll let them know how much you love them, they will call you a hate monger while flicking you off. How is that possible? We have not cursed you out, yet you're cursing me out, and I'm the hate monger. Can I know what the color of sky is in your world? Can I bank where you bank? Because I want to bank in the place of irrationality and cash a billion-dollar check today. They're going to call you things like Islamophobic because you don't believe Islam is a beautiful, peaceful religion where we all worship the same God. No, I'm sorry. Allah is not the same God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a father and has a son. The Quran says clearly that Allah is a father to no one and has no sons. The God of the Bible said that he sent his son to die on the cross, that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The Quran says neither did they, they did not kill him nor did they crucify him, but it only appeared to be so. They literally have a different God with a different Jesus. Oh, but we love Esau. Peace be upon him. What Esau are you talking about? What Jesus are you talking about? The Son of God manifest in the flesh who died on the cross for sin? No, we're talking about the prophet Esau who affirmed Islam. Well, that is like me saying that I love Bob, Bob the person that you may know as a friend, and then I say all of these ridiculous things about Bob. Bob the clown. I love Bob the clown. Don't you love? And you're like, the friend I know, Bob, is not a clown. Yeah, Bob the clown who comes out of the little car with a bunch of his friends. And you're going, I have no idea what Bob. Yeah, the Bob you said. No, it's not the same one. If you're saying to me, you love my Jesus, the Jesus I love is the Jesus who's the Son of God manifested in the flesh, who was crucified on the cross, death, 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 did not hold him down. He was buried and rose again. How many worship that Jesus? He's not just a prophet. He's more than a prophet. He's more than a king. He's more than a priest. And they'll call us a cult. And they'll say that's your brain washed. And then if you ask them, what has washed your brain? Socialism, Marxism? The other isms of the world, what has transformed your thinking? I am not in a cult. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. The beliefs that I have are the beliefs that Billy Graham had. And you know it's a bad day when they call Franklin Graham his son a racist now. I have the same beliefs of the Christians who came before me. I have the beliefs of the Christians who laid down their lives for me all throughout the nations of the world. I have the same beliefs of the red, yellow, black, and white who were all precious in his sight. I believe like the revivalists of Argentina, Carlos and Acondia and Claudio Frazen. I believe like the African-American Church of God in Christ and the founders like William J. Seymour. I believe like the missionaries have always believed throughout the ages. I believe like Christians believe I'm a Christ follower not a culture follower I don't believe in Niceanity though we may be nice at times I believe in Christianity Christ over culture Christ over the things of this world Christ is the hope and the answer and in closing I want to read this scripture my second closing I'm preaching today how many are getting free from all the names and all the things they said about you I'm preaching this for you and for me today. Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. 
He's not just talking about his earthly ministry. How many know Jesus was in the garden trying to tell Cain, don't kill Abel? But Cain hated not only Abel, he hated God first. That's why he could hate his fellow brother. Are you listening to me? He's been with us there the whole time. He was the one that came to see Abraham before the angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah. And then it says in the scriptures that the Lord rained down fire and brimstone from the Lord in heaven. It was Jesus who saw what they were doing and they hated him. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. Should we walk around as a martyr's complex? Some crazy preachers one time went to a Muslim uh, festival with a pig's head. And then when they got spat on and abused, they said, we're suffering for Christ. No, you're suffering for stupidity. This would be the equivalent of you going to a Sox game wearing a Cubs uniform. You're not suffering for religious reasons. You're just provoking. Are you listening? But I'm talking about you simply standing up for what you believe. If you were like the world, they would love you. But if you're not like the world, they're going to hate you. He said, remember, I told you this. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. If Jesus himself was standing right in front of them talking about the sins of the age, what would they do to him? Jesus, you belong here. Stop telling me what to do, Jesus. I'll put you in your place. That's what they would do to Jesus. They treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. They don't know the Father. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. How many can say your friends and family and neighbors and Facebook friends have no excuse for their sins? How many have let somebody know the truth about sin? Hallelujah. Whoever hates me hates the Father as well. No, but we love Allah. We love Brahma. We love the Nirvana and the things of like. The, no, no, no. Listen, if you can't love Jesus, you don't love the God who created you. You have a false father, a false God. If I had not done the things or the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, this belongs specifically to Jesus. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. Jesus did things none of us can do. He's speaking specifically about his office there as Christ, the Messiah. He says, but this was fulfilled, or rather, but this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. How many feel today you've been hated without reason? Come on, Jesus can identify with you. Band and altar workers, would you come? Let's just pray where you're seated now before we roll out today. Thank you for your patience. Lord, I ask you to forgive our enemies and those who persecute us. We bless them in your name. Bless enemies right now. Bless frenemies. Bless your haters right now. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for those who have come against this church. We pray for the LGBT community. We ask you, Lord, to bless them as they come out of their lifestyle, become born again and serve and love you. We welcome back anyone who has left during this time, anyone, God, that has been cowardice or has worked with the enemies to speak against us. Lord, we, we bless our enemies. We bless them. We bless Mary Light foot. We pray for her to get saved. Her and her, her supposed wife, oh God. We pray for our governor, our leader, Pritzker, to get saved, oh God. We pray, oh God, for the churches that have come against us, spoken against us, because they were so much wiser than us. They were so much more honorable than us, oh God, that they had to mock and ridicule us with the wicked. We forgive, we forgive, we forgive, and we bless in Jesus' name. We bless in Jesus' name. Like Martin Luther King Jr. said, God, we will not let 
someone bring us so low as to hate them. Love conquers all. Love covers sin. Love, hallelujah, give our hearts love. Come on, those of you who have fought bitterness because you didn't like the way they treated you, ask for love in your heart. Ask for love. Lord, give us a baptism of love. Give us a baptism of love for our enemy. Forgive them for they know not what they do. As I'm praying right now, if you have not known Jesus, but you want to know Jesus personally, these prayer workers will pray with you and show you how to meet Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you can keep whatever distance you feel comfortable with. If you're here today and you've been compromising and you, you've been ashamed, you haven't been standing up for your faith, and you want to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost today, you want to see the gift of the Holy Spirit come upon you like it did with Peter speaking in other tongues, come up as we're even praying now. I'm going to pray just one more time, and then we'll close out. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you brought us here to be courageous. You brought us here not to have a martyr's syndrome, but to identify with the martyrs and to rejoice and be glad. Not a rejoicing that's just a hand clap and a shout five minutes in church, but a deep-seated joy that this world can't take away because the world didn't give it. Hallelujah. A joy full of glory, unspeakable. Oh, God, I pray you fill us. Fill us with your presence with your presence would you stand now and just raise up your hands and say fill me with your joy God we'll leave in just a moment but I want to pray for every person right now God give us your joy joy unspeakable full of glory at your right hand pleasures pleasures forevermore God if I just knew that you were with me I could go God anywhere God I could do anything Jesus if you would just be with us today oh God you promised that you never leave us nor forsake us you said, God, that you would give us your strength, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, that we are more than conquerors. Come on, do those scriptures mean anything to somebody today? Because you are good.